Hello everyone, welcome to the Joking Dolphin Gaming Pod. I'm Mark, and as always, I'm joined by Matthew. Morning. And Nathan. Hello. <laughs> okay, are we all right, chaps? <laughs> well, yes. clearly Nathan is. <laughs> God, living the dream. I don't yes, know about my ears. <laughs> uh, right, let's kick off with the news, shall we? I mentioned on the last podcast that uh, EA executives were having a look at the future of Anthem. Because mm-hmm. it was this whole Anthem next thing. <laughs> but it was an update. And then shortly after that podcast, they officially announced that's the end of Anthem. They're killing it. They're doing away with it. They took it round the back and they shot it. Right. It's, All right. Anthem then. Yeah. It, it needed to happen. It was, it was going nowhere, wasn't it? I, I didn't even play it. Uh, I've never bought it, so... <laughs> Well, it says it all, didn't it? This it's is probably why, clearly, yeah. yeah. It clearly didn't interest any of us. Uh, right. That's that over with. They can move on to better things. Improve Mass Effect, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this has also led to another change from EA. So, mm-hmm. with the success of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which mm-hmm. is a single-player you know, experience campaign thing, mm-hmm. and... They decided, and obviously because of Anthem's failure, they decided that the next Dragon Age will go back to being a single-player RPG. Because apparently that was going to be another live service game. So, what were your thoughts on that? Can you imagine if it had been? Uh, hmm. I don't know how that might have worked. Because I'm not, I'm not yeah. playing Dragon Age once. But... I'm not, well, I played the first Dragon Age, but that was a like solid um solid single player rpg so yeah. um hmm i mean it's good that they're not doing that anymore but it's quite worrying the fact that they thought that would have been a good idea to begin with well i suppose we, we were in this age of everyone was making a live service game weren't they so um some a little bit more successful than others um <laughs> Uh, Anthem clearly not very successful. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like what a mode player in Dragon Age would be like. So I think Dragon Age it Inquis- Inquisition. Yeah. I think did have a mode player, but it was similar to how they set up mode player in Mass Effect 3 and Andromeda, where it's a you know it's a survival wave based uh, horde game type i think um where like the more successful you do you know the more upgrades you get you upgrade your um, characters that you can have you can have different classes so you can mix and match different player styles which i thought worked quite well for mass effect 3 as much as they had microtransactions in them i don't think you needed them at all to play it um so i don't know i, I don't i don't know what I could say about the Dragon Age one. Maybe it could have worked, but if it was going live service, then, you know, how would that work? Would it be like Destiny 2 or I suppose like Anthem, where it just crashed and burns? <laughs> I think that's probably more likely. But speaking of live service games that are crashing and burning, Avengers. Here we go. Again. So they've come out, so uh, okay. they've come out saying that they're going to rework the XP route in it. Mm. So, you know, the big complaint about the game really is about lack of content. Really. Yeah. Sort of thing. But Square Enix have just lost the plot, basically, with this. And 
they've come out with this, this statement saying that they're reworking all this XP and it's got gamers up in arms. It's just silly. Mm. So it's a statement that says, uh, XP rework. Since we launched last September, our balance team has been evaluating the XP curve for levelling from 1 to 50 and we'll be making some changes to address two core issues. The current XP curve isn't really a curve at all. In most RPGs, the amount of XP you need to level up increases as you gain levels in a curve, but our system is a straight line. This has led to pacing issues, such as skill points currently being rewarded too fast. I think if there's one complaint to be made in that game, it's not that. Mm. Which may be confusing and overwhelming to newer players. More new players. Exactly. This is the thing. There ain't going to be any new players. We want each decision to invest in a skill or heroic to be more meaningful. Doesn't make much sense to me. But based on these issues, we'll be increasing the amount of XP needed to level up. So they're making a a grindy game even more grindy. Starting from around level 25. This amount will increase the closer you get to level 50 so that it will take longer to reach higher levels and will only affect character level, not power level. If you already have level 50 characters, which is the current maximum, this won't affect you. If you have a character who isn't level 50 and want to speed up your progress, take this time to do so before the update on March 18th, because that's when the um, Hawkeye DLC will drop, and that's when okay. these effects will take into this, this will take into effect. Yeah. There's a, a little note that just says, due to a bug we discovered, players could level characters at a blistering rate if they had multiple high-end characters. We intend to fix this issue once Clint arrives. Um, what a load of crap, basically. It's just... Well, s- slowing down the levelling process is really going to bring new players on board, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, I, I, can't, mm. I just can't fathom what they're thinking. Here. But then one of the developers took to, to, to Reddit to Ooh. try and clarify. It's never a good idea. And it, just, it makes <laughs> things even stupider. So, uh, okay. I, I don't know who it was exactly, but it's a developer. It says, we wanted to offer some more clarification and details on the recently announced XP change. We did not change XP to increase grind for grind's sake. I think it did. <laughs> Our initial <laughs> blog was not comprehensive enough to convey what we were doing and why. So we caused confusion. We get it. So what are we doing and why? Currently, as you get to higher levels, the XP required between levels didn't scale well. But your ability to crush enemies certainly does speed up at higher levels. So you could end up leveling up, or dinging, as they call it, two to three times per mission, with missions taking about 10 to 20 minutes in length. So what's the problem? This is great, you might say. Yeah, it is. Uh, (laughs) The problem we are seeing and hearing, I don't know who's telling that, was that you would immediately get more skill points than you had time to review, apply, and get used to before embarking on your next mission and gaining your next few levels. Hopefully you can see the issue here. Yeah, I, I hate it when I get too many points on my FIFA Pro, so I have to yeah. come out and apply them. I just, I just don't know what to do with all these FIFA points, yeah. <laughs> it's the same, same thing, pretty much. That's, that's the way I see it, anyway. Carry oh, so, on. Really we want bizarre. people... We want people to level up. In fact, we really want to see more people level up more heroes as playing the full Avenger roster should be the most fun thing you can do. But we don't want the leveling, leveling up experience to be too overwhelming or diminish exploring each skill purchase. So we smoothed out the higher level curves 
to make it so you were less likely to ding more than once or twice per mission at the higher end. There is so much variability in how quick you can gain XP, level types, mission selection, etc. But the end result of our tuning was meant to add around three to five hours to reach the maximum level in total. Okay. This means leveling at a steadier place around every two to four missions at the upper end. We consider this a way to achieve clearer ding thresholds and more time to engage with and enjoy each skill purchase. We also tuned the game to make early leveling slightly faster, giving players more advantage against enemies when first starting out and hopefully making them feel more like a superhero faster. Lastly, more powerful enemies will grant additional XP, which makes them more rewarding to take down. Hopefully this clears things up and offers a better vision of what we're doing with the XP change. And we'll work better to make things clearer when we share this sort of information. I find this really staggeringly stupid. Where's the logic behind any of it? One question I've got. I've not played this, and I know you two probably have. So I just want to query this. Well, you've only played the best. So are the levels, well, are the missions varied enough to warrant an extra three to five hours play to max out your level? Um, Otherwise, what's the point? You're just going to get people... Because the thing is, this for each character, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I can't. I can't really say much because um, you stopped playing. Is that why? Well, it wasn't that like I'd stopped playing out of boredom. I was actually forced to stop playing because an update they introduced broke my game. So ah, right. <laughs> that was the reason why I didn't go back to it. So I can't like you know I got I'd finished the campaign and I did some a few of the like. You know, I suppose post campaign content that they've got, but I've not done everything. Um, but so I, I can't really comment about it. But uh, just just everything how they've they've structured this is just like like I I could I could come up with a better reason of why they've done this, and all they could have to have done is said right, we think um, late game content is a bit too easy and isn't really keeping people engaged because everyone's leveling up too quickly. You come up a little bit too, you know, too overpowered. The game just doesn't feel challenging anymore. There's no challenge to it. So we've adjusted XP at that point. But then adjusting XP at the other end to make you feel a little bit better starting off with is also a good thing to introduce people into the game without it being too hard straight away so there's a better kind of learning curve of okay so you know starting enemies get to use to them and then the new i suppose powerful enemies um will come a little bit more challenging as they go through the game that's how it well uh, that's what i think most games should be maybe unless you're dog souls in which case every every uh every enemy you come across has the potential to kill you in one hit so <laughs> Um, but it's just like the the reason one that they've come up with saying like I've already like forgotten the reasoning because it's so silly for why they've done it. Like you just said, well, we just want to make late game content a little bit more challenging, so we've adjusted the XPs, so you don't feel that you're getting well, you don't feel that these the game the late game is too easy or whatnot. 
not this balancing and hearing that people are complaining about it, I'm pretty sure not enough people to complain about it. To me, it just seems like an excuse to, to stretch out a game that already has a lack of content. I just slow mm. you down. So you're just forced to play it for longer. Yeah. Because they're not introducing enough stuff. Probably weren't enough to begin with. Well, this is probably it, is to slow people down so content can be dripped in a little bit easier. Well, a little bit quicker while you're not feeling like nothing's happening. But, Nath, would you ever start playing the game now? No. No. no I've, had too, I've had too many bad things, and for me, in terms of the content, it's just not there. Yeah. I weren't fussed after the beta, so... I've seen it for, like, 20 quid on Hot UK deals, and it's not even come onto my radar. I mean, there's much, there's, there's far better games that I can be playing, what to be to frank. I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to cut the campaign out of it, sell it separately at a cheaper price. That's what we need to do. Forget all the live service crap. I'd buy that. It's too, it's too late. So, oh, oh, man, just <laughs> playing the campaign. That's well, it. Buy it, buy it, 10, buy it for like pounds a, or something. Yeah. Ten well, or something and just play the campaign. Well, it's been like 50% off on PlayStation Store for quite a long time. Clearly, because no one's buying the thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just please, for, for the sake of just buy it. Buy it's it? still too much. It's still like 25 quid. It's just like, I'm, not, I'm still not paying 25 quid for that. Right. If it came out on PS Plus, I'd give it an hour. I'd give it the hour challenge. I'd, well, I'd give it the campaign. I'd do the campaign. How long's the well, campaign? Do we know? Uh, Matthew? By, by an average, seven, eight hours, maybe? Maybe a bit no, longer? Not, not too bad, then. It's what you'd expect from a single-player campaign. That's I think got it's a multiplayer. Okay, so. Yeah. See, this is this point thing because, like, I would absolutely um, support people playing the campaign. Like, it's got a brilliant campaign. I loved going through it. It's just everything kind of afterwards is what's disappointing. Mm, yeah. And then throwing in updates that break my game. That's not gonna get me to come back, is it? Well, that's it. They've lost a player now that probably won't come back to it. I don't know what you're. I don't know if you ever will, Matt. But we'll 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 see. Because I mean, I might I might come back to it if it ever gets to the point that it releases the Spider-Man um, character. Oh yeah, I forgot about it. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. If 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 like, whenever Spider-Man comes out, I might give it a go at that point just to see how how he feels in in that game. But. I think this just displays how quickly we move on in terms of video games now, though. Like, Matt had a game-breaking update, and he's never gone back to it since. He's moved on to something else. Mm. Well, that's just the important thing. I can't play a game, then you lose my interest. Yeah, then you move on to something else. That's Mm. it. Ah, but I've still got your money. That's the thing. That's the need. Hmm. To fix their issues. True, they got my money at full price as well. So, <laughs> well, there's, there's no. I, I, if you read that, I, I, what new player is ever going to start playing that now? Oh, we're going to make it more grindy for you. A game that was already massive. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I love the grind. It, it's all about the grind. It, it needs like, is an intervention similar to what like No Man's Sky got, where it's like just this massive update, this like absolutely new player friendly. Welcomes people in and has, and has a hell of a lot more content than it's currently. <laughs> Another game. 
to die on its arse. Right. All that kind of thing. <laughs> Any other news? I want to talk about the state of play. Ooh. Do you want to go straight into state of play? Yeah. Oh. Juicy. Um, I I like, I, well, I rather enjoyed it. Um, I know a lot of people are pretty negative about it overall. And well, to be I'm, honest, I can see why. I wasn't negative. They just weren't much about it. I'm not I'm saying you. I'm just saying the general feeling that I'm getting um, mm. is that there's quite a bit of negativity around it. Because uh, we did get a lot of game updates. Um, we got the um, we got the PS5. Well, we realised that Crash were going to move, be moving over to PS5, which is great for Crash players. I've played it on PS4. Um, I can't wait to actually get a PS5 in 2025. And uh, be able to play Crash Bandicoot with Just the nice PS6 comes out. 4K graphics and all that. Um, so that's going to be a free upgrade, which is good. Uh, and then they showed off some some other games. Like the ones that I really liked was Returnal, um, Solar Ash. Mm. Those two really stood out for me. Um, yeah. I liked Look at Sifu as well. What did yeah, What did you think of that? Uh, this is See, one that I looked, it was the one thing that I liked about it. Mm. It gave me very like old boy slash mm. daredevil in the hallway kind of vibes. Mm. Yeah. The well, combat I love that. Seem... If you just go down a whole hallway, just like firing off enemies, throwing them into yeah <laughs> rooms. The combat did look really brutal, didn't it? Like mm. you felt the hits, which I I always appreciate. Um, and it seems to have a really cool game mechanic where if you die in game. You start again, but a bit older, uh, which was mm. quite interesting. Not like you just keep dying. You just eventually just trail on back. Trying to go through hallways. It's just like a skeleton just walking through. <laughs> yeah. God, oh. kill me now. I'm already dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the show does Five Nights at Freddy's as well. Um, I don't think I'll be playing that. I, I don't oh, know yeah. about uh, you, uh, Jock. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I, too scary for me. I, I can't just even the old play, ones, like, the original ones. Yeah. <laughs> jump, jump scares aren't good for me. Although, like, fair fair play to just how massive um, the whole franchise got from, like, a, one game where it's just on a 2D, like, cylinder type thing. Um, and now you're getting games that are mass, like, complete 3D Um <laughs> Roman games that's that's quite cool for where he started and it's just one guy initially who made the whole thing so I know it's got uh, I know people love the the law in that game and trying to work everything out and stuff it's um uh, it's got crazy law I probably won't recommend diving in anymore <laughs> the big news for me though coming out of this is that Oddworld Soulstone going to PS Plus yeah, April. Can't Amazing. wait. It's fantastic. I was actually going to pay for that game as well because yeah, I same. I love a bit of Oddworld. Yeah. Um, I love Abe and all his antics, all his burping and farting and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's re- that's really positive. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I'm quite happy because it looks like I'm getting a decent catalogue of PS5 games just on PS Plus before I get mm. the console. Well, that's it. We've been able to download a few so far, haven't we? So um, for when we mm. do get the console yeah, again in 2025. So Destruction All Stars. Mm-hmm. Bugsnax. Yeah, Bugsnax. Bugsnax, Bugsnax yeah. which was one that I was really looking forward to. 
I think mm. I think that's how you pronounce it. The cat. Uh, obviously, Oddworld. Uh, Man Eater. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Is that it so far? Probably a couple more that I'm failing on, but it's uh, it's still it's really good that you're getting a um, yeah, a library of games before you're even getting the console. Well, for most people anyway. Because there was a few a few of these games were like were in the very initial yeah PS uh, showcase you know back in the day when <laughs> yeah, all these games the were first to be obviously yeah. so Oddworld was shown then and then uh, that maquette am I, am I pronouncing that right I can't remember was shown in it and they were both games I was going to buy because I thought they looked really good but now mm-hmm. they both come into this it's just amazing Great yeah now just oh, well, give us that hardware <laughs> yeah <laughs> give that's us PS Five produce the PS Five well I mean they're trying. If you're if you're all like me who tries to get I've I've had I've had two in in uh, checkouts at this point. But every time I go to checkout, it crashes, mm. and then I get about ten thousand of people going. I got message. mine. Like every, oh yeah, you, you. <laughs> every time you send us a message, it's just, I'm just imagining your sad face. <laughs> this this is the furthest I came to. Uh, I got as well. I had it in the check in the checkout even before I got an alert from Twitter saying that the stock was in. Yeah, like, that's how, how close I got, and I was like, "Yeah, check out," and then website crash. I'm just yeah. imagining that in real life. <laughs> You've got the console and the checkout. Some guy just comes along and goes, "Nope." Yoink! Yeah. <laughs> oh, is this it's... what you're wanting? Yeah, I really want it. I'm here first. Nope, mine now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the worst thing for me is that I actually get sent pictures of PS5s in the warehouse because my sister-in-law works at Argos, so um, they get them in. But they're all for online only, so she can't like yank one away and like give it to me. I pay for it, obviously. Um, but um, sure. <laughs> I pay for it. <laughs> but um, basically, they get like a certain amount of consoles in, and then head office decide when they get put on the website. So that's why you find that they're going at these stupid times because head office just sends an email, and then they get popped up on the website. It's I'll insane. Tell you what, what you should tell them to do: you just mm. take one component out of it each time. <laughs> and then in seven hundred, yeah. and you can, yeah, eventually get your yeah, PS Five. Construct it again. I think that'd be the one reason that I'd be tempted to get the discless version to get it a bit quicker. Mm. Yeah. Ah <laughs> oh, well. The search continues. Anyway, um, to the state of play again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the the last game that they showed off, you were quite interested in, weren't you, Matt? Oh, of course. Positive for you. Massively positive. Seeing uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake come to the PS5. Mm. And it's going to be free on PS Plus as well. Yes, as well. It should be free now, I think. That's the yeah. PS4 version, though, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. won't get that so, PS5. Is there a little confusion about... So do you have to pay for this upgrade? I think you do, don't you? Mm, you would, yeah. You not. I I think you would if you don't own the game already. Like, if you... Oh, yeah. It's just buying a new game. Well, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, I think if you if you had the the PS Plus version, I think you might have to pay it to upgrade it, potentially. Yeah. There'll be some sort of pass. But if you... But, so... No, but is that just for the PS Plus version? Yeah. I think so. It is so a the free way upgrade it... if you own the game. Right. Okay. So the way I saw it is if you owned it already in like a disc version or you paid for it online, then you get the upgrade to PS5 for free. But if you get it via PS Plus, then you'd need to pay for the upgrade to get it on PS5. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it is called Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. So there's a like a bonus uh, episode that they've made specifically for the PS5 version. Um, what's was slightly confusing about that is I don't know if you upgrade to the PS5 version whether you also get that DLC for free or if that's a purchasable add-on. I think it's more likely this might be a purchasable add-on, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, the upgrade should be pretty good. Um, like graphically, it looks it looks much nicer. Especially, a lot of people complained about um, once you get sort of later into the game, some of the skyboxes seem a bit uh, PS2 era, should we say? <laughs> okay. Um, although they they said that um, they were are well were meant to be high resolution um, textures. I think maybe just the game couldn't quite handle handle it at that point maybe but they made sure to like you could see like a um side by side comparison between the ps4 and ps5 versions like yep no those skyboxes look much better so um no i i, I can't wait to um give me another excuse just to play final fantasy remake again because yeah if i just spin off a slight bit from the state of play um so, after State of Play was finished, Square Enix actually announced two new Final Fantasy VII mobile games that are going to be coming soon. Well, not soon, but I think one one set for this year, later this year, and another one is set in 2022. Um, so, the first one that they announced is called Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier, um, and it is a weird genre that I didn't think Final Fantasy would go into, but there's going to be a new Battle Royale game. Because right. we don't have enough of them. <laughs> um, bit strange. Um, don't know why they've decided to go down the Battle Royale route for Final Fantasy. But, I mean, it could be interesting. I mean, it's, um, it's set so 30 years before the events yeah, that take place in the game. And it's very kind of... It's kind of a typical third-person battle royale kind of game. So um, I think you'll be able to select your own loadouts, like guns that you want to use, uh, your melee weapon, um, which is normally a 10-foot sword. Um, <laughs> and then just stuff like... You'll be able to select... Um, what I'm assuming is going to be materia, which is just kind of skills of like healing or elemental powers or just any kind of normal materia that you kind of know in Final Fantasy VII, unless you don't know it. <laughs> um, as well as like, tran- uh, you'll be able to have uh, transport as well. So you could, there's one where there's a guy just on a motorbike just riding off in the in the distance, and then another one that you're on a chocobo. So. I'm assuming most of you might know Chocobo, maybe. Yeah, big bird thing. Big bird chicken thing, yeah. It just makes me want to have a milkshake. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will not um, pray further on that. Um, Yeah, uh, I mean, it could be good. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I actually think how it looked, graphically it looks pretty good for a mobile game. I'm sure it'll be big in places like Japan, China. Um, they seem to be the 
testing places for sort of games like this to start off with and then eventually come over to rest of the world. So we'll see how that kind of goes. Um, the second one, a little bit more straightforward, is called Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, which is going to be a chapter-structured single-player game that will cover the entire Final Fantasy timeline, which also includes... Um, so what they did um, on the, I think it was the 10 year anniversary of Final Fantasy VII, they made what was called the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, um, which was basically sort of stories set, uh, separate stories either set during the events or after the events or even before the events um, that set it up Final Fantasy VII. So you had games like um, Crisis Core, which was a PSP title that was set about a year or so just before Final Fantasy VII. Um, and there was stuff like Derberus Crisis, I think. I might have that wrong. That's That involves um, a character that's in Final Fantasy VII called Vincent, who had his own game sort of set after Final Fantasy VII. And then there was the big um, animation movie Advent Children as well which was also after Final Fantasy VII. So the, essentially this one game is going to cover all of those through sort of chapters as they release. Um, well, as they release, I suppose, maybe monthly or kind of in between. But it sounds like it's going to be a massive game because, uh, well, there's just all that kind of history to cover, I suppose. But we'll see how it goes. Like, it's, it's, it's so far it's structured... So the movement um, is very Final Fantasy VII-esque, but then when you go into battles, it's very reminiscent of Final Fantasy VII Remake. But you've, it, I don't know if it's turn-based or not. It wasn't very open on that, but two... So, well, I suppose they just want to carry on milking that Final Fantasy VII cow <laughs> as best as they can. So, uh, we got any, any other news? Have you heard this warning from Activision? Uh, Call of Duty. What's the warning? <laughs> no. <laughs> they warned, apparently, that a 500 gig console will may no longer be able to hold Warzone, Black Ops Cold War, and Modern Warfare. Oh, <laughs> no, I did hear that. Yeah, I did hear it. So basically, they just. It's, it's they just made a game that's too big. It's madness that they can't make their game smaller. It's just. They're terrible at it. Well, I, th- I think this is all intentional. Because they wanted it to be just the only game on your console. Yeah. So that you good, can't play anything point. else. Well, you know, these, these sweaty cod boys are all going to have it. Yeah. Not play anything else. It's the same as FIFA, is it? It's just like cod and FIFA. That's all that's going to be on these people's consoles. Well, it'll be I the first thing that's on my PS5. <laughs> I find it mind blowing that they can't make these games smaller. And every update's like 25 gig. Exactly. What are you doing that's taking up that much space? You see very little in game about it, though, don't you? Yeah, exactly. It's like, why does it need to be that big? This is the plan from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, we'll get to a case where it'll only hold one game console. It'll just be one of the Call of Duty games. Well, That's nothing. madness, though. You can only have three games on your console. Not even three games. Wild. Well, it's a good thing that they announced, well, Sony announced that you'd be able to um, upgrade your storage in the summer once you start yes. releasing the... Uh, at what cost, though? At what cost? Probably a lot, considering, you know, 
the storage has got to be comparable with their custom SSD. And at the moment, exactly. nothing is out that is compatible, compatible with their that. SSD. Yeah, so it's going to be so expensive. Digital drives will be enabled by firmware update. Don't even have a PS5 yet, so yeah, I guess don't have to worry, have to worry about, about that. that I don't have to worry soon. about that until <laughs> Just buy one just for the Call of Duties, I guess. Yeah, that's true. You could have a Call of Duty drive with like a, a bullet sticker on it or something. Yeah. <laughs> you should get like a digital uh, edition PS5 for your Call of Duties and then your disc version for everyone else. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the best thing. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Henry Cavill. Ah. Man who makes building PCs sexy. I'll take you away from it. I've not, not seen that. I, I, honestly, I would suggest <laughs> anyone to watch that video. It's actually quite fascinating. Him just building a PC. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so he put out. <laughs> he put out a very interesting Instagram post. Mm. So in the post, it's like a black and white photo, and he's sat in a makeup chair, holding a blurred out piece of paper. And he's, he was mentioning something about oh new secret projects blah 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 blah. And game pressure used a tool called Focus Magic to partially unblur the words on the piece of paper. Mm. And apparently, some words could be identified on it, which include the words Cerberus, Talizora, and Geth. And anybody who knows what they mean, that's in relation to Mass Effect. It was also Reaper. Ah, Reaper as well, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's, he seems to be really into his games. You know, um, I'm excited. Sure. Um, I'm trying to take this with a pinch of salt because it's nothing confirmed or anything like that. And I'm only ba- yeah. obviously we can only base this off what this one thing has said. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it could be anything, couldn't it? It could be something live action going on, or maybe he's just got a part in the next Mass Effect thing, maybe. Yeah, it could. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing. We don't know it's a TV show exactly, do we? No. It, it, all, all, all we know is it's Mass Effect related, but it could literally be anything. Um, but I mean, I think I think we all know like Cavill's just like the the Hollywood geek at this point. Um, I mean, he somehow I think him probably solely managed to get The Witcher kind of into live action because he was just such a big. Um, support for it and wanting to be the lead actor for it and he's good in it anyway like he's he's really well, he's clearly the, the best thing about that Geralt, so. for me. oh yeah yeah him and um Yennefer. anyway uh <laughs> um i suppose we'll, we'll see Yaris. <laughs> um i suppose we'll, we'll we'll see um but uh Looks like we, we could be in for some exciting times for, for us Mass Effect fans, hopefully. Hopefully we start pulling back into the goodness of what Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2 uh, had and not stop falling back for Andromeda Galaxy. So I'm going to presume we'd be Commander Shep. Oh. No. I'm trying to think, trying to think what other characters he could be or not. Could be. Well, the latest game is going to be set like, only like 100 years or something. Or is it... We don't know if this is going to be the original trilogy or what. No, we don't actually, do we? We know one character from the original trilogy is going to be involved, but that doesn't say much because her species lasts a long time. Mm. I don't know. Unless he's doing Could... a voice acting in the new one for someone. Yeah. 
I mean, it could be the new it's Captain Shepard. <laughs> I mean, we, don't new know. Shepard. we don't know who the lead character is in the new one. He could be that. I suppose it's we'll find out at some point. <laughs> it's interesting nonetheless. I like, yes. I like the fact that he's involved in something Mass Effect related. I'm happy he's just involved in anything game related. He just seems to be like <laughs> well, a massive yeah. supporter of them, which is good. Um, has anybody heard about the new Nintendo Switch rumours that have come out? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, apparently Nintendo um, are, are purchasing um, quite a few screens from Sony. So, there are OLED 720p screens. Um, Samsung, that's Samsung. Samsung. Samsung, yeah. Yeah. Samsung um, OLED 2720p screens. Um, they're going to be seven <laughs> inches, so slightly bigger than the mm-hmm. current Switch. Um, and judging on when they're going to be purchased, um, so production could start be starting as soon as summer. And then that'll give us four to five months, so we could potentially see the new Switch before Christmas. I mean, that might be being too optimistic, but I think it'd be like the perfect time to drop a new console. But saying that, when they first dropped the Switch, that was like late February, early March time. Um, So, well, we know Nintendo doesn't really care about the status quo when they drop the console, so (laughs) it could be early 2022 at this stage, for all we know, but I think it's positive. Um, so Bloomberg posted an article and, uh, and they just put a few of their um, comments in about what they think it's going to be. So um, mm. apparently it's going to, whatever this is going to be, it's going to upscale to 4K, um, which I think it needs to do. Um, definitely in this day and age where you've got the Xbox Series X and the PS5 um, pushing to 8K now. They really need to catch up in terms of the resolution so they can keep getting them AAA games on their platform. Because at, at the minute, I mean, even with games like FIFA, for example, they're just getting the legacy editions because the Frostbite engine doesn't work on the Switch because it's not powerful enough to run it or run it well. So I think it definitely needs like a power upgrade and a resolution upgrade. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like If mm. we can get it before Christmas, then great. But... Yeah, I think it's I think it's all positive. That's whatever's all this that's coming out so far, because the switch is well, it's in its fifth year now, technically. So they need the hardware revision because it came out over four years ago. No, no, it did. It did. Um, I mean, I mean, there's, there's been talk about a switch pro for ages now. Um, I think because uh, I was reading the same report, the only thing that they they really confirmed um, was that it was going to use this new Samsung OLED 7-inch screen, but um, undocked, it would still only be displaying at 720p in handheld yeah. mode, but obviously once docked, they, they're going to they're wanting to support a 4K display. Not saying that games would be in 4K, but it'd be... Yeah, it'd be upscale. So yeah, it'd be closer than what it is currently. Mm. Um... Do you think we'd... Wor- oh, go on, Matt, sorry. That's all right. Um, what I say is my only worrying thing um, from this report is that there was no, there was no mention of any um, improved components or, like, other than, you know, other than the display. Mm-hmm. They didn't say they would run games faster or anything, which is a bit, you know, like, 
if they're just going to release a switch that will support 4K docks, is that is that enough to warrant buying a new model if it's not going to improve games any other way? Hmm. I mean, I think that I can see them potentially doing what they would do, what they've done with the, do you know, the new 3DS, where some games might only run on the new version. Because oh, yeah. the new, I imagine the the new one is going to be quite a bit more powerful. It needs it needs to be, otherwise it can't upscale to 4K currently. Well, yeah, that's that's the problem at the moment. Unless it's just a, unless it's just a software update and it's, and it's really all the thing through the dock that's what's adding to that power. Mm. Well, that's another thing I was going to ask. Is it is there going to be a new dock that'll hold all of the like visual mm. upgrades, or is it everything going to be on the new system? Because a, a lot of people have come out and said that they've got their own docks and they don't want another one, for example. Yeah. Um, well, this is it. Like, if you've got the new Switch Pro, if it doesn't work with the old docks, you know, what What do you do about that? I feel like, I feel like they might not be a new dock and it might just be a lot of software upgrades maybe but hmm. we'll see i suppose we'll see I, I don't i don't know like the ins and outs of how the actual dock works with the switch like what does the dock do for it other than help display onto a tv <laughs> forgive me forgive me but because of that does dock not come with the switch then it does yeah, no, yeah. The dock does, yeah. but you can you, you could at one point they're like gold dust now but you could buy like additional docks for 80 pounds um, so that you could have them in like each room, and then you could take your switch from one room to another. Um, yeah. Cool. But yeah, in terms of the um, the dock, the, all I know about that is that it does once your system is docked, it upscales to 1080p at that point from mm. what it current the current resolution is. Um, so I do think the dock gives it some sort of power boost. But mm. that so that's why I'm thinking from my point of view they'll probably revise the dock. But maybe when you slot it into an old dock, it'll just give it whatever resolution it can through that dock, maybe. Mm. Maybe. There's a lot to find out. And, um, yeah. Wait and see on them. But it's still early days yet, so I suppose we'll we'll see what happens. Mm. Fingers crossed. Um, did anybody watch the Pokemon Presents? I did. Did you? What I mean, did you think? Was- I... I really enjoyed the first like few minutes, you know, when they like went through the different generations. <laughs> they were like gaming, anime, and then like everything mm. that came in between, like all the innovations for each Pokemon generation. I thought mm. that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. It was like, a full on nostalgia trip. Well, it was, wasn't it? It was a it was a really nice celebration of the the history of Pokemon um, through all all media, really. Like even the cards got uh, got mentioned every mm. generation we got to. Yeah, uh, pulling out those rare Charizard cards. Good exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good. I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed all of it. Really, it was a nice celebration of Pokemon. Um, and we got to see, we got to see a little bit more of um, the new Pokemon Snap, um, mm. which I'm really looking forward to because I love the original game. Yeah, um, it it does look really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. I just think graphically, this is like the best that Pokemon will ever look until we get a Switch Pro. Mm. <laughs> uh, least, I mean, at least at this point, because like, well, how how the game works is it's an on rails 
shoot them up technically, but you don't actually shoot people. You shoot with the camera. <laughs> yeah, so you can uh, you can throw things at the Pokemon like apples. Well, I thought they were apples, but they called it something else. Whatever the fruit was, the in-universe Pokemon fruit. Do you know, so you could like watch the meat, and then they'd like kind of do like a smile or something, so you could take a better yeah. picture. Yeah. Um, I liked those like light orbs you could throw as well that like made the Pokemon glow, um, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I was wondering what what you actually do with do with those other than just make them glow. I wonder if there's some sort of actual use behind them. Mm. Well, there is a night mode, isn't there? Like you saw like certain things glow when it came to night time. So mm. I think. If you are going through it at night, then you can take better pictures of the Pokemon and get a better yeah. star rating. So I think it all like slots into that. Mm. But yeah, I've I'd not played the original um, Pokemon Snap, but this one does look really, really nice. Um, and not long to wait either because it's coming out on the 30th of April. So yeah, it should be mm. fun. Oh, uh, another thing that I noticed, um, the photo mode looks pretty cool as well. Because um, so, they've got this thing where you can upload like photos that you've done of your you've taken of the Pokemon to mm. like this like vast server where everybody can upload and then they'll like pick oh, yeah. showcase them and yeah. like you can get like star you can get ratings and all that so yeah it seems like they're trying to make like a little community around it as well which is good yeah no that that should be fun because they've got a little like forward where you can put on like stickers and stuff to <laughs> to make the fours um probably stand out a little better no it should be it should be good um I do wonder, like, how many Pokemon is going to be in it? Because it's like, I, like I, I remember the the first game doesn't have all the Pokemon in, um, but the the levels are like situated situated around um, the Pokemon Bear anyway. Because it's really cool seeing like um, I think I mentioned it before, like one of the levels where you can. You're on like a, a stream and you can lead a, a Magikarp into into the Warfall with apples. And once it gets into the Warfall, it'll come out evolved as a Gyarados. Oh, and that's cool. that's a really cool, uh, really cool fall thing. And if it has more stuff like this in the new game, they'll be brilliant. Because I, I loved seeing the bit where you, I think you threw like the apple in the water and like the Venusaur like does a dive into the into the water. Yeah, um, he like caught in mid dive, which is which is yeah. really good. Yeah. No, it seems like it'd be quite a fun, fun game. Really relaxing, not to really think too much about it. But it'll just be fun. That's it. That's what gaming should be all about. Well, well that's what if, seems to be about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Definitely. Yeah, looking forward to that. Mm. Um, and I think after that, then they showed off the um, new Diamond and Pearl remakes that have been much talked about in the last couple of months. So mm. it's official. So uh, late 2021, they're going to be coming out with Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. So they're going to be faithful remakes to the originals that came out on the DS, um, mm. which is good. Um, I, I enjoyed um, Diamond and Pearl for what they were. I thought they were really good games. I can't wait to play them again. Um, in terms of the, the graphical side, it did look to be a mix between like Sword and Shield and, and maybe like um, X and Y, like a mix between like the 3DS and the Switch, like a halfway between the two for me. Yeah. But it, yeah. it did look really good. Definitely. Mm. I think uh, seeing the chair online, people were cut off by the, 
by the graphic style because I think up till this point the games that were remade were remade in the style of like the of like that generation's well style I suppose so like you know like fire red leaf green looked like um, oh yeah um, da- uh, ruby sapphire ruby and, and sapphire yeah, yeah it had that style and then um, soul silver and heart gold heart gold looked like was a diamond and pearl at that point that style yeah. Mm-hmm. And then again, the same for um, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire looked like, well, Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Sun and Moon? No, X and Y, sorry. Well, I think I was like, where was it actually? Was it between Yeah, Sun they and were Moon? both on 3DS, so you're probably about right. On yeah, both well, they're all on 3DS, so. Yeah. <laughs> so that style. So I think people were like anticipating that Diamond and the Pearl remake were going to kind of look like Sword and Shield. Mm. But instead, it's, it's more of a faithful I think the worst word called it, it was more of a faithful remake of actually just being the original game but just kind of suit up in graphics basically. Yeah. Um but the battle style is gonna be similar to um Sword and Shield anyway. So um I think like yeah I don't know if people liked it so much but I thought it was fine. Um graphics look cute. Uh they look clean, very colourful. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what else I want from a Pokemon game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it just well, it's, just that's just, it. That's nice. a Pokemon game, isn't it? So pretty much, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to get my hands on it, and then um, I'm gonna, me and Piplup are gonna go through back through the region again. Yep, back through Mercino. Uh, what would be interesting is it if it'll be completely refaithful, um, completely faithful. faithful <laughs> let's say it right. I like I'll put remake and faithful into next to each other. That's it. That's the, that's the new Kairu now. There's a refaithful <laughs> remix. <laughs> uh, well, whether they can have like extra content like the other um, remakes had as well. So like, obviously with Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, you had the whole episode. Um, yeah, the end game Emerald stuff one. with Rayquaza. Yeah, yeah, and then getting like the Mega Rayquaza out of it. Mm. So that uh, unfortunately, I think this was where. For me, Pokemon generation-wise, I started slipping off. So I never completed Diamond and Pearl. Mm. So I don't know exactly where the whole story goes. So for me, this is probably going to be like going through a new game again. But it'd be interesting to see if they have anything new. I'd, I'd like to see something new. But I mean, if they don't, they don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, as as we saw a bit later on in the presents, this is just going to tide us over until the next game we talk about. But we'll we'll get there. So um so yeah so this these diamond and pearl remakes are going to be developed by um, Ilka um, Inc. So not Game Freak, but they're focusing on yeah. something else. Yeah, new developers finally working on a Pokemon game, um, mm-hmm. which I think they should do more often because I think they they've worked on. Um, They've worked on some of Pokemon, but I can't remember the history. And it's like, it might have been Shuffle. I can't be, can't confirm on that. But I know they worked on some some Pokemon spin-off games, but it's the first time they're actually working on a full, full-featured Pokemon um, game. So we'll we'll see how they do. Hopefully they'll do well. Because um, I like to see I like to see Pokemon being used more outside of. Well, they normally do. Like, I want a remake to Pokémon Tournament. Oh, yeah. 
because <laughs> I thought it was it was actually quite a good, quite a good fighting game, but just, I don't think it had the reach that others have like Tekken in that. Unfortunately, yeah, um, yeah. It's a I, I do I did enjoy Pokemon Tournament for what it were. I I enjoyed like the the Mega Evolutions and stuff that you could do, and like all the attacks look pretty cool. So, mm. yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. On to the next game. Um. So, they they came out and, l- and told us that Game Freak had been working on Pokemon Legends Arceus. Now, I've got to admit, I saw the trailer and it did look rough. You could you could tell like some of some of the gameplay within it was really choppy. Um, but it it, it did look good. It was like it's an open world RPG style Pokemon game. It's what we've been wanting for years. It's what I've been wanting for years. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it, in terms of its graphical style, it looked, to me, it looked like Breath of the Wild-esque in terms of the way it looked. Okay. I don't, I'll, know, I'll, what, I don't know what your thoughts were on it, Matt. But I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you it-esque because like, a lot of articles that I've been reading on this is like, oh, it's Pokemon meets Breath of the Wild. And it's like, oh. I've had enough of this trope already. Everyone's saying something looks like Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Well, if the boot fits. Yeah, but it's like Pikachu's foot that's in the boot. You know, it's, it's its own thing. Mm. <laughs> Probably not really, but... No, it's... Um, when I saw it, I was... I was actually quite blown away as much as that, like... Okay, some some stuff did look rough. Um, like, there was a... Oh, what's the bell Pokemon called? Oh yeah, I, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, it just like chopped like downwards straight. Yeah, um, well, it was kind of like going up and down, being like three frames per second compared to the rest of the game. <laughs> it it did look yeah. a bit like, oh, not great. Um, but the rest of it that they showed off um, is is very promising at least. I mean, finally having a, a fully open world Pokemon game, I think is what we all wanted. Um, mm-hmm. And the fine looks quite a little free from as well. Like it still, it still looks like it's turn based, but the battle happens there and then. It doesn't like, oh, we're gonna go go into one, a cut screen, warp and to it. Then... Yeah, yeah. Just gonna warp to this generic grass field, and we go into battle game. No, you battle there and then, even if it's on a slope. Mm-hmm. Um, and the animation wise looks 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 interesting. Um. I'd like to see. I'd like to see. I think I'd like to see this game in about six months' time. When once they've had a little bit more, kind of polished the game and looks a yeah. little bit better. Um, well, they've they've said it's going to be coming out in early 2022. So, um, I mean, if they could, um, if the Switch Pro does come out and that is real, they could mm. potentially package this with that at the same time. If it's going to be out in early 2022, that could be an idea. Yeah. Um, one thing that I. <clears throat> Excuse me. One thing that I liked about this game is the um, is when it's set because all the other Pokemon games is generally set like present day for when they're released, mm. but this one's set in the past. So I think that'll give us a new aesthetic. Um, I don't know if you noticed in the trailer the Pokeballs were like all metal and wood, so it's like Pokeballs from the past. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, that was cool. Yeah, and um, so it's set in the Sinnoh region, but however many years like in the past. Feudal. Similar yeah, like feudal, feudal Japan style by the looks of the clothes. But um, yeah, um, 
one thing that um, threw me a bit was when it popped up with the starters and like, what? What's Syndical doing there? He, he weren't Sinnoh, but then as we went through the trailer, it um, basically a load of Pokemon um, trainers from all around the world came to Sinnoh as like the new frontier kind of thing. And uh, it's your job as a trainer to try and map the first Pokedex in Sinnoh, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah, I was I was a bit taken back seeing Rowlet more than else. I was like, hmm. what's, what's the grass owl doing there? You want to be in Hawaii? <laughs> Yeah, no, it is a good explanation of like seeing how kind of Pokemon started, and that, like, you know, back then there wasn't any real regions, Pokemon just kind of were everywhere at that point, so Mm -hmm. they didn't have their own place to be. I think what what, what actually might trip this game up a little bit is if we start seeing regional based Pokemon in this one because those Pokemon meant to be. Only exclusive to those regions. Yeah. They like a Lola yeah. Meowth, for example, popping up. Yeah, if I, if I see like um, Glarian Weezing, like, I'm going to be like, mm, that's a bit strange, but I'm sure they'll they'll be smart about that and know not to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, but it should be good. Like, I hope, um, I hope by the time it comes out, the world looks a little bit more populated than it did do. Like, I want to see... Yeah, it did look a bit sparse, didn't it? Yeah, I want to see like other trainers kind of doing stuff and mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily more Pokemon appear around, but at least kind of just... Just some stuff happening. Yeah, because I think that's my complaint in um, Sword and Shield, the, the first wild area. Pokemon-wise, it's fine. There's plenty of Pokemon around, but kind of outside of that, nothing else is really happening. So feels very empty unless obviously you're going online and then it's just a like fest of other Pokemon trainers biking around you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little more of its DLC where things, more stuff's actually happening outside of stuff than than it's the base game. But no, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. It should be fingers crossed really good. And it's just single player. So there's <laughs> gonna be no multiplayer for it, so I hope it does well because it sounds like this might be like a uh, like a new spin-off series they might start doing mm-hmm. alongside like the main tile games. Just like do more of this. Like I want another Legend of I don't know Mewtwo or something. Yeah, just like Kanto at five hundred years in the past or something. Yeah, before the Great Pokemon War. Anyway, get to see Sensei Oak. <laughs> yeah, Oak <laughs> as a kid. Oh, because the kid, yeah, he's he's just he's forever aging. <laughs> yeah, but I thought overall the um, the Pokemon presents was really good. I think it it hit all the right notes in terms of like what it showed us, and um, it definitely hit hit right in the nostalgia. So um, mm, yeah, yeah, I thought it was really really positive uh, presents, and I really enjoyed it. So good, yeah, good. All, all good, all good from me. I've got one final bit of news. Ooh. So, publisher Paradox has pulled Hardsuit Labs from development of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. And the game has been delayed indefinitely. Oh, no. So, things aren't going well there. So, no. so apparently back in August last year, there was like some reshuffling. Yeah. Uh, lead narrative designer Brian Mitsoda and creative director Kai Clooney were fired from the project. 
then in October, later on, Paradox confirmed that CD and narrative designer Cara Ellison had left the project. Mm-hmm. No longer working with them. So something's clearly not going right over there. No, clearly not. This is something you'd be looking forward to, particularly, isn't it, Matt? Skin. Well, I'll go on pre-order. <laughs> well, they've also they've also canned pre-orders now, so you can't do that. Well, anymore. Oh, you go. Oh, sorry. Right, they've canned my pre-order. Where's my money? Nah, well, I, I, don't uh, think, I don't think they've done that, but you, you can't pre-order it now from now. On. This is this is disappointing for me because, like, when 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 they first showed it. I was looking forward to it. I was like, okay, this looks pretty cool. I've always wanted a sequel to this game because the original was, was a bit of a cult classic. Um, but just just hearing all the news of people leaving, um, I mean, it started with them having to actually distance themselves from a former writer as well because apparently there was some sexual allegations alleged to him. Chris, I forget what his last name. Avalon. That's it. Yeah. So that kind of started the bad news. Um, then it's just been bad news from there on in, hasn't it? Um, yeah, I don't know. Apparently they were, they're working with a new studio partner to finish, aren't they? But at this time, they've just not got a release date anymore. Um, and I think because of this, I think Hard Suit Labs have had to lay off quite a bit of staff as well because of it. Yeah. Which is never good news at all. Um, especially in this day and age at the moment. So I think this is just going to be a cursed game for me. Um, might end up being a bit Duke Nukemish. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Better get your pre order cancelled, Matt. <laughs> might never get your money back. Mm. We'll see. I'm, I'm so hopeful that I get the stuff that I pre ordered. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not how I want it. But <laughs> when was it? When was it supposed to release? Do we know? Ooh. Um. When I pre-ordered it, it was just announced, and that was back in 2019. Uh, I think it was due out in 2020, and then. Ah, oh, no, it says here the first quarter of 2020. Yeah. Been delayed twice. And then, yeah, well, yeah, it's been delayed twice. I mean, obviously the pandemic's not helped at all. Yeah. Um. They've probably struggled. It sounds like they've probably struggled more than most um, developers have. There's something more behind the season than just... It could to be. Have, to, have, to have three key people leave the project, like, mm. like key creative. They've got to be it's, some sort of culture issue there that's caused them to leave. Yeah. And now they've pulled the whole development team. It's just like, that's very weird. Hmm. It's a bit strange. It's, it feels very kind of what happened to Metal Gear Rising, yeah. where um, it was meant to be internal and for whatever reason wasn't working. And so um, Kojima outsourced it to Platinum. And then they just like, yeah, we'll just put our, our usual Platinum spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> Make it at least a solid hack and slash game and there we go, but this just sounds worse. <laughs> so, I suppose we'll see when the time comes if uh, if it can be rescued or if it eventually gets cancelled. Right, I want to end on a bit of a positive uh, note and Ooh, something. Positive. Let's end on a positive. We like positive ends. We like positive ends. Like, like end. uh, <laughs> um, 
so summit probably a bit closer for you mark um don't know whether you heard this or not but two two senior developers at sucker punch um nate fox who is the game director and jason connell who is the creative director um will become permanent tourism ambassadors for the city of tashima oh yeah. um, i heard this as well if I'm not entirely sure what that entails, as I could, but I like the sound of it. Yeah, the sound of it. Well, it's just it's just for the work that they've done, you know, to bring, um, I suppose, um, uh, the world's eye on on the Sea of Tsushima about the mm. history of it, and and the work they did as well for the um, the funding, wasn't it? Of the yeah, was it the it's all, it's all the again. gate, wasn't it? I feel like yes. I was doing YMCA there for a second. Um, <laughs> the gates. The gates. Um, so just to bring up a statement um, from the Tsushima mayor, uh, Horiko Hitakatsu. I probably said that wrong. It's apologies. Um, so he's come out and said that Fox and Canal spread... Uh, well, th- this was explaining why they were getting the ambassadorships. They're saying that Fox and Canal spread the name and history of Tsushima to the whole world in such a wonderful way. Uh, even a lot of Japanese people do not know the history of the Genko period. When it comes to the world, the name and location of Tsushima is literally unknown. So I cannot thank them enough for telling our story with such phenomenal graphics and profound stories. And he went on saying that normally the, you know, the award would be given to noble Japanese people. This is the first time there's been awarded to someone who has spread the name and history of Tsushima through their works. What? Um, and uh, carrying on saying that the appointment of tourism ambassador is from today until Mr. Jason and Mr. Nate no longer wish to have it. And he carried on uh, saying that, in fact, I've been thinking and discussing about appointing the role to them ever since I discovered they were using Tsushima's name as the name of their work. Uh, he added that I did not I did not appoint them for the purpose of having them do anything in the future. Thanks to the two of them, Sucker Punch Productions and SIE, I've heard from people all over the world who have learned about Tashima through their works and now want to see no one go to Tashima. So, I mean, they've just done magnificent work with the game to be able to spread word of, of the sea and, um, and its history through the game. Which is just so nice to read and find out. <laughs> yeah, it makes definitely. me actually want to play the game now and like actually learn about it. Just to just to add a bit to that, actually. Um, so the city is going to be collaborating with Sony Interactive Entertainment to set up a, a brand new toys and campaign based on the game. So we might be seeing some more things shortly in regards to that. Um, so as Matt said before, it's um, it's designed to encourage fans to learn more about the island and its key landmarks, which should have, from that hopefully bring more tourism, which is definitely positive. I was going to say, though, there's, there's one sad aspect of this, is that obviously the game released in the middle of the pandemic, so tourist, tourism, yeah. was, you know, <laughs> nobody could go anywhere. So I think Tsushima's ended up missing out a lot of potential tourism during that period. Well, hopefully, when things open up. Well, mm. and with with these endeavors obviously going ahead, we just mentioned, hopefully that'll pull all the people in. Fingers crossed. I'd, I'd definitely like to go there to see, see all the history in there. Hmm. Yeah, you're good. 
Joking Dolphin trip to Tsushima. <laughs> That's confirmed. <laughs> Joking Dolphin on tour. Yep. On tour. Can, can we do the? Um, can we reenact the start of the game and I'll just chuck alcohol on somebody and set them on fire? Uh go on, Matt. You can volunteer for that. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's a really important role, Matt. It's yeah. No. But, but Matt, you're the strongest warrior. Not unless you can be in like all the flame. Um, flame retardant outfit. I didn't want to say the word because I'd, I'd probably oh, say it. It's what it is, though. <laughs> I know it is. But it just sounds too close. Uh, <laughs> unless kind of all that like completely covered on me, then maybe yeah, I'll. that's fine. We'll take the be- we'll take the best of precautions. Don't worry. Don't worry. Right, anyway. <laughs> Live burning. That'll be brilliant. <laughs> Try to head this on a positive note. No, you end up wanting murder someone. But... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> right. Shall we move on? So shall we get into what we've been playing then? Sure, why not? Awesome. Right. You Would you like to kick us off, Mark? Ooh. <laughs> Um, this can be well, long. well, actually, it's going to be quite short because I've actually played nothing. Oh, <laughs> ow! I'm shocked. But, well, I played a bit more Hitman, but that that is all I've played. I've not not played any new games. But I'm going to go slightly off track, and I'm going to tell you what I've watched instead. Okay. Oh. Okay. So I finally actually got around to watch the Assassin's Creed. Uh, oh really? Have you, have you, have you seen Is that it? the one with Jake Gyllenhaal? No, Michael, no, Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Right, okay. I don't know why I think he's in it all the time. So he something. Some... Jake, was Jake Gyllenhaal was in uh, Prince of Persia, was he not? Yes, that's the one. I'm getting mixed that's up with him. Yeah, anyway. Sorry, Mark. Basically, the story is about something about finding the about Apple Assassins and a Creed. About the Apple Gosh. of Eden, which is mm-hmm. like, apparently holds man's first disobedience something like that and it was the key to free will and whatever basically yeah. the film is naff it's not very good at all uh, the only thing keeping it going is Michael Fassbender he's pretty good I quite like him but it's quite it's the most interesting part of the film for, for me because the games it's like I like the historical stuff but I don't care about the modern day stuff yeah. in the film it was actually the opposite for me I was more interested like in the modern yeah I was more interested in the modern in this day stuff than the old stuff what? Why she likes? Because um, it's it's in the in the trails and that of how they they managed to um, adapt the animus stuff um, to real life action of like actually get hooked up to this massive machine where the movements yeah. you do in the history you're actually doing in real life and that's yeah. how you learn that's how the the bleed effect works, which I thought was a really nice way of explaining how how you would get the bleeding effect. Hmm. Yeah, that's that is great. Another thing is that it does move along at a decent pace because it's two hours long, and it never slowed down in terms. Of, it never felt. That's good. Well, it wasn't. I say boring. It's just not a very good plot. <laughs> but that's just that's just the nature of video game films. I think. I think I think the issue. I mean, I've not watched it from getting the comments from everyone. The issue with the film is trying to explain a about what was it about five six games worth of history mm. in one film because it's not really an introduction film is it per se uh not really no 
I mean, so it's it, like, I, don't, I, I don't think it does a very good job at explaining what the whole thing is, yeah. particularly at the start. It's it's like it's a film made for people that play the games, yeah, pretty much, and and not really like a introduction to what the game's history is, really. <laughs> but because they, they were going to do a whole series, weren't they, where the films were tied to the games? Mm. What happened in the films? You'd you'd find out through the games. I don't know if. Any games that have come out since the film have referenced back to the film. Or not. They probably well, they announced... don't, and they want to, it to die death. Well, they, they have announced they're going to do a TV series, didn't they? Yes. Well, it was Netflix, uh, wasn't it? It was yeah, one of so... Netflix. Many, Cause, many. Cause the, the film, the film is on Netflix at the moment, so that's why I watched it. How long so, is it? Two hours, or just under. Hmm. I'm gonna have to give it a watch because I was interested in it when it came out, but. Then all reviews came out. I was like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> Since we're going down this path, I've got one question for you, Mark. Mm-hmm. How many dolphin flippers out of ten would you give it? Um, five and a half. Five and a half dolphin flippers. That's how we rate things now, everybody. <laughs> okay. I feel like I wasn't salt on this. I'll, but... I'll pop it up to six because Michael Fassbender had a lot. Cool. If he wasn't in it, I think it might. It just would be. Well, he carries most of the X-Men films now, doesn't he? So. Yeah, he carries most films he's in, to be honest. True. But I've watched one other thing. Now, back in the early days of the pod, uh, I mentioned to celebrate PlayStation's anniversary. It's going to be a documentary film. Yeah. Oh, from Bedrooms to Billions, Ooh, PlayStation Revolution. Got it. Mm-hmm. I watched it. It's a long documentary. It's about two hours, 50 minutes long. Wow. It's got, it's got, it's got some extras on it as well. But basically, this tells the story, obviously, of place, the, the original PlayStation's creation. Mm-hmm. So it starts off with, <clears> like, introducing how Sega and Nintendo were dominating the, the console market to begin with. And then there was the whole Nintendo slash Sony thing that was going to happen. And then what happened yeah. to that? And then obviously what kickstarted with the PlayStation. So it's about two-thirds of the film is about the original PlayStation. Mm. But how that came to be, and then how the games came came up, and things like that. But then there's like there's like twenty minutes for like all the other generations. So basically, <laughs> well, it's, they're not as important. It's, it's a bit jarring, but the PlayStation, they're, so they're slightly less interested. But the PlayStation One stuff is great. Mm. It's, it's really good. Mm. So if you're into it, you watch it. It's it's a fascinating documentary. There's a few extra. What's it called again? From bedrooms to billions, the PlayStation mm. Revolution. Okay. Now, uh, actually, where did you buy it? Uh, this was off Amazon. Cool. Uh, now, that's actually the third documentary they've done. There's uh, oh, one, one just called From Bedrooms to Billions, which is about the British video game industry. Mm. It's their first one. But I've not watched that. But that's supposed to be very good. And then they did another one, which was about the Amiga, called The Amiga Years, I think it was called. Then mm-hmm. that one. Oh, yeah. I would highly recommend you to watch that. It's, it's really good, particularly the PS1 stuff. I just think there's, there's something in the news recently I didn't, I didn't bring up because I didn't read massively into it. I call it the headline. I think they, they did another one, but it was based on Nintendo. Uh, I think there's... Um, I don't think it's this, these ones. Oh, it might not be the same probably, people. Probably okay. Yeah, there's one where there's um, they've got an interview with Phil Spencer um, talking about it all, which is already jarring seeing a Microsoft person talking about mm. Nintendo. 
But I remember there's one quote where he's like, um, he still doesn't get the, the Nintendo 64 controller. Like, what's it about? <laughs> well, it is it's built like, for it's, free, it's like three things in once. Like, and I uh, entirely agree with him. It's the weirdest controller. This does have like interviews with like key figures in the PlayStation's history. So, uh, mm. It's got like Mark Cerny and Hideo Kojima's in it as well. Mm-hmm. People that I can't remember. Is it Phil Harrison? He's another one. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. I like that. Okay. But that's that's all that's all I watched. Uh, Nathan, we'll go with you. Me? Okay. Right. So I've been on the um, Nintendo hype train for the last couple of weeks. So I just want to bring up a couple of games that I've played. So the first one was Super Mario 3D Land. So. Yeah, so um, I don't know why, but I just got an itch to play on 3DS. And however I, I looked through my games, I thought, yeah, let's give this a try. And, um, well, as is the name, it's it's Mario in 3D. Um, it's, pr- it's pretty much like Mario 64, but, like, condensed into level form. So you just pretty much you just go from level to level, passing it, Um I've just completed the first world, so there's seven like main levels, and then there's the last level where you face Bowser. Um, I've just completed that, so I'm onto the next world now. But yeah, it's just some some good old fashioned platforming action. Um, really enjoy it. It's, it's good. That's 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 one thing that I always tend to do. I, I just forget how much I really enjoy platforming games, just the simplicity of them, and just the enjoyment that I get out of them, which is which is great. Um, so yeah, so I played that. That were all fun. Another game that I ended up playing a bit of was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So a bit of Switch action. Um, so again, um, just played a few races on there. Did a Grand Prix. So yeah, just uh, just played a few races on that. Really enjoyed it. I'm still not very good at it. Um, so I think the best that I can go to is like 200 CC, and then I start getting my ass kicked. Um, mm. <laughs> but yeah. Just so, so much fun again. Um, so I normally play with um, Peach for some reason, and I just kick my. I, I go for like this this like little Mercedes Benz car that you can pick. So I always just go for that, even though it's probably one of the worst ones. Um, but yeah, always fun. So yeah, I played a bit of that with uh, with a friend. So it's cool. Now another game that I played. Um, now. This game's called The Long Dark. Don't read too much into that. Um, ah, so, I've, no, I've, I've heard about it, yeah. So this one is yeah. a, uh, a survival game. Now, you crash land on a snowy mountain um, and you've been killed by some shrapnel from the um, plane that you fly. And you've got to scavenge whatever you can to try and survive. So there's a few things that you've got to keep on top of. So your thirst... Um, your sleep um you've got to keep warm as well because it's like in minus degrees where you are um you've got to like try and find shelter um so pretty much you've got to scavenge whatever you can to try and survive um while trying to go through and find your partner uh, which is which has gone somewhere as part of the crash land uh, onto this mountain now in playing this game, it's made me realise that I would never survive in the wilderness because when I first played it, within about 15 minutes, I'd frozen to death because I didn't realise what I needed to do to make a fire. 
So I had I had the matches, I had the the kindling or whatever you call it to mm. to like light it, but I didn't know how to like get all the wood together that I scavenged to um, like make the that side of it. So I ended up freezing to death as the wolves descended. Um, yeah, there's wolves in this game as well um, that you've got to try and kind of you've got to you can't go up against them. You've got to like wait for them to pass or um, you can try and like get around them. Um, by covering behind trees and stuff, mm. but it's 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 an interesting game. It, it piqued my interest because I, I saw somebody playing it on on a video that we were watching, and there was like they were dissecting it from like a real life point of view. Like, mm. would you find these kind of materials? But yeah, um, I've I've tried again, and um, I'm getting a bit better. I'm trying to get through the story mode at the minute, trying to find the the partner that I was on the plane with before it crashed. Um, because at the start of the film, uh, th- sorry, at the start of the film, at the start of the game, there's like an illness going around, and your partner's got like a, a briefcase with like something in there you don't know what it is, and you've got to try and get her to this place with this um, briefcase because I think she's like a doctor, so she can try and like cure whatever's going on in the world. The COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah, she's got the COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so yeah, that's like the, the premise to it. So you've got to find her and then get her to where she needs to be. But you've also got to survive yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for the experience, it's worth it. I think. I think because you've basically you've got to when you first start it, you've got to find like medical supplies to try and patch your hand up because you're bleeding. So if you bleed, you've got to patch it up. Um, if you burn yourself on some fire, you've got to like use ointment and then patch yourself up. So you've got to try and. I think there is a steep learning curve to it because mm. um, you've got to know what certain things do and it's not very forgiving in terms of how much time it gives you to learn these things. But, that, yeah, that, I'd, I'd definitely say give it... Oh, go on. That would just be that. Just by luck to build the fire and then burn myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, when the, when the, when the plane you crashed... You uh, you burned to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like kind of walked into the fire because I was like, oh, I, I bet it won't burn me. It burned me. <laughs> and then it's I had cool to use most of the supplies logic. that I could find. Yeah. Um, so, saying that, before my 20 minute like permafrost death, I did um, die one more time because basically I got myself burnt and I was like, right, I'll give up. I'll try again. So I just jumped off a cliff. <laughs> As you do. Cruel yeah. way of dying, but sure. Yeah, so I thought I'll I'll reset it and then we'll go from there. But yeah, it's it's a good uh, it's a good game if you want to um, hone your virtual survival, survival skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about you, Matt? Me, uh, I've actually been playing quite a bit um, these last two weeks, so I'll get the usual way, um, Cordry. So um, I don't know if I. If I spoke about this more on the last podcast, but um, I remember when we were ta- when I was talking about when season two was coming out, the zombies mod was getting a new game mode called Outbreak, which was more kind of a yes. open world esque kind of zombies mod. I don't know if I um, elaborated more on it last time, so I wanted to kind of speak more about um, how I felt about the mode and kind of what you actually do in it. So there's there's three uh, there's three maps that you can warp in between. So you kind of you you end up starting on one of them, 
randomly. Um, and uh, they're all kind of, as I described, they're all like fire team esque kind of length maps. They're like, they're quite big maps. They're bigger than normal Call of Duty maps, but they're not quite big as like a Warzone map. It's like in between a Battle Royale and a, a normal war map that you'd find in Modern Warfare, um, if you ever played War. So you spawn in, and there's there's always like one main objective you have to do on the map, but there can be a couple different what they called world events that you can get involved in. So one of them can be like to open this chest, you just you just have to survive a, a, a small wave of kind of slightly harder zombies and and um, special slash elite enemies that you come across um or there's one where there's this like kind of rocket fuel thing where if you activate um a dragon head comes out and you have to kill zombies in this ring of fire to feed feed the dragon and its fuel um (laughs) which is quite interesting um like the more you feed it the better kind of uh, value chest you get out of out of the event, so you can get stuff like a free perk out of it, or the power that you've got comes uh, comes full, so you can use it or whatnot. You can get like better weapons and equipment and stuff. And the main objective really is kind of completely objective, and then a beacon will appear on a map. And if you go to that, you activate um, this other beacon, um, which you can choose to either then warp to the next map which starts the next round or you can exfil out which then you've got about two and a half minutes to get to another point on the map while about 30 plus zombies and special elite enemies can pretty much run after you and try and kill you before you get to the helicopter which is quite quite exhilarating it's quite fun just seeing this mass horde of zombies running at you just like oh god but I've I've actually really enjoyed this this mod. It's um it's definitely something I think the future of zombies can really put its hat on and um try and improve and stuff. Because I think they mentioned sometime in season three they will add stuff like Easter egg stuff to it. So like normal zombie maps that have like a number of objectives to do, then like a boss at the end to complete, and it adds more to the story and stuff. They can they can start doing that to it and um, really add a lot of value to that mode um, make it like a highlight for well for Call of Duty kind of going forward really I think it really really add a lot to it so that's Outbreak for Call of Duty um, Cold War Zombies what else have I been playing? I've been doing a little bit of uh, Rock Band 4 as you might might see with the guitar behind me not real guitar, I wish um so sometimes, sometimes if I just want to kind of, if I can't think of anything to play, I'll just want to have a bit of a chill time playing games. I'll just jump on Rock Band and just, I suppose, rock out. I suppose. Um, although I've been, I've been actually trying to do the the actual campaign, the on tour campaign stuff. So you go to like, you start fair like a starting city. You do a bit of like what they call sets. So you'll play like two song or three song sets and they can either be chosen at random or you're given like um, an option of which songs you actually want to play in the set I did one yesterday where it was like a six song set but they were all random and I'd never played the song before and I was doing it on hard so that was a bit tricky um, got through most of them to the point like I got like 
through Mostrum. But yeah, playing songs on hard that I've never played before is uh, a bit different. Like, and I've tried doing Dragon Force on hard, and no, <laughs> even on medium, it's a bit tricky. But just oh God. I don't know how people do it on like the, the hardest difficulty. I just you can see like videos and just absolutely just I've seen fingers, people fingers going blindfolded and stuff. It's mad. That's that's just memory and knowing when to hit the right button at the right time, but it plays yeah. so fast, it's ridiculous. So that and well, that ends my PS4 kind of size stuff. I recently jumped back on Hades on my Switch, um, and I uh, I'm just getting to a, a frustrating point now where I can I can get to the final boss twice and I just can't beat him. It's uh, it's racking my brain on how to do it. I just don't know. There's <laughs> just someone so much so much goes on in that final boss compared to to all the other bosses. It's just like I can't find quite the right stress yet of like what I should be doing, when to do it, you know, when to focus on the boss, when to focus on the little enemies that they end up spawning. Um, and then there's these skull things that they fire that. After a while, they'll do like a pulse wave thing um, through most of the map. And if there's like three of them that have not killed off, like three pulses coming at once, it's just a bit too much. So it's getting difficult, but I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the challenge because it's it's quite addictive in a way that like Dark Souls didn't grab me. Like I thought Dark Souls was brutal straight away, and there wasn't much of a wave kind of gradually getting into it um whereas this one i don't know you, you kind of you learn more as you die like okay i shouldn't have done that i should have done this okay this enemy's got this enemy like attack pattern i should be doing this when it's doing something and then like each time you die you just progress the story more through each character you get to learn more of like their purpose in wanting um zagreus to make it to the to the outside of the underworld and it seems like everyone's got their own agenda it's pretty strange it's like everyone's like fine against each other all the olympian guards and hades just wants you to be an observant child <laughs> and then chaos is just absolute weird person but yeah i i honestly recommend hades for anyone who's got a switch or pc i'd love to see it come to like the consoles as well i'm sure it would Eventually, don't know why it won't, but phenomenal game. I can see why it was it was given game of the year for some places. So yeah, it's brilliant. On the PC side of things, um, been playing more Faz Plasmophobia, but this time they released like a big update yesterday, which added which changed a lot of stuff and how they worked and a lot of bug fixes and that. So it felt kind of fresh and new again. So. The professional difficulty now, by default, the, the power at the place is switched off, which makes like all the rooms cold by default. So it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult to actually find where the ghost's room is um, until you switch like the power on, which which I think adds a lot more to the game. It definitely felt like professional difficulty was getting a little too easy, um, which then also resulted in three of five games of me dying which is fun hey. uh, 
it was not in the first time it died because we were we were doing the prison level and prison's like massive already and it's already kind of difficult to find the ghost room so we ended up splitting off like my two mates kind of went upstairs i just checked downstairs they ended up finding the room pretty quickly but then hunting started so i was quite safe where i was um i wasn't really anywhere near the room and then when it finished i was like all right i'll come to you guys because you know where the room is as I almost got there, another hunting started, so I had to back off, find another room to hide in. And somehow my like my one friend who was who hadn't left was somehow surviving through all this, even though he was closer to the ghost room than I was. And then when that finished, I was like, right, I'll come outside because we know where the room is, so I'll get stuff. I'm about 15 foot away from the exit door, and the hunting starts again. And now I'm closer to the ghost room which my friend is also like near there. So I went into like the second room on the left. On, on, as you come into the hallway, there's a second room on the left that I bailed into. And apparently the ghost room is right just upstairs above it. And this ghost just had like some end for me. I don't, I don't know what it was. Like I, it just somehow found me and killed me. I was not impressed. <laughs> and then the second one, I just yelped, I'm dead as it grabbed me. <laughs> The second time I died, so that was fun. We need to play that. I think it'd be a fun game. I'd love for it to come to console at some point. I mean, we'd all be just dead in the basement, but you know. Yeah, yeah it'd be fun. Could I carry a van and leave you two to die? Carry the van. I mean, you, you <laughs> could stay in the van and up and like monitor like all the activity and cameras and stuff, so you can see like whenever the ghost starts hunting, you can see it walking about. Because like the third time that I died. I did it on purpose because I wanted to see what a hunting looked like while being in this like spiritual world that you end up in when you die. You end up in this like ghost version of where you are, where like all the doors are invisible, so you can just walk through wherever you want. Um, and like when a hunting starts, you can see where the ghost spawns, and they like it like disappears and reappears every every so often. You see it like the path it takes. So that was quite cool. But like the first time he did it, I wanted, I wanted to kill one of my friends who was like willing to die just so I could see what happened. But this ghost was like stupid and went upstairs rather than the basement. It's like, why didn't you do that when I was when I was uh, originally dead? Like, beelined it for me the first mm. time. So. But that was cool. I really love Fez before, and I think they added um, the new updates had a lot more difficulty to it, which makes it a little bit more playable again. So. Adds a bit more fun to it. Um, and the last thing that I've played recently um, is a little game called Valheim. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's like the latest. A lot of people are. Latest game to hit Twitch. Yeah, making a lot of those by it. So it's a, a third person survival game that's based on Norse mythology. So you play as like a Viking, in effect. Um, and when you start, you've got this like little crow companion that comes like comes in and out every so often. That it needs to tell you what you're doing or stuff that you found, telling you what you, what you need to do and stuff. A little bit like a tutorial kind of chow, I suppose, from Sonic Adventure 2, <laughs> where it comes in all the time and annoys you with what you need to do. Um, but it's it's a game that really doesn't hold your hands. Like you start off and it's like you're practically naked, not 
rust levels naked. You know, you, you do wear pants. Um, but yeah, it's to me the best way I could actually describe how the game felt to me is a bit like uh, like a third person RuneScape. Like I don't know if you've ever played RuneScape before, back in the good old days. But like the more that you do smut, the more that you level up that thing. Actually, probably my best describe is like a old school Morrowind, maybe. Sort of like that. Where you've got this fast open world and the more you do stuff, the more you level up. So like punch tree to knock it down, you level up your unarmed. Um and you like you would cutting. Um and then, you know, you put the tree falls down this log you punch that enough times that comes two logs punch those eventually you'll get wood which then you can start building stuff and finding materials and then and you just do also you can pretty much go anywhere you want provided that there's not a massive troll who wants to kill you which what happened when i first do you mean like it. real trolls or trolls on the internet no actual like 20 foot tall trolls okay. Maybe not 20 foot, 15 probably. It was about the size of it. But um, <laughs> there was there was one instance where I was playing with my friends and they were leading to this place that's called like, I think it was like the Black Forest, something like that. And we were like, oh, we'll, we'll kill a troll. And I was like, okay, that'd be cool, I suppose. And then we found one. And like it turned around and then it had this massive log and then just whacked me and killed me in one hit. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good introduction to Valheim, I suppose. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting game um, built in the same vein as stuff like I suppose like Daisy and um, and Rust and stuff like that, but more focus on PVE because you can you can have your own server and just play with your friends. You don't have to play with other people, which is good. So um, yeah, I think graphically as well, it's. I mean, it's not the the best looking game in the world, but it's it's definitely uses its colours really well. Like there was a point where we got to a ship and we were just sailing the sea and like all like it was kind of like sunset was coming down, but you got all these like colours in the sky of like orange, yellow, gold, and there's this massive like I don't know what the tree is in Norse mythology, the life tree I suppose, but you could see it like growing across the sky, mm. um, which was really cool. But yeah, it's um it's a fun game. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to get into it more and um, hopefully delve more into what it's all about. So, yeah, that's what that's what all I've been playing in the last two weeks. Okay, so we move on to the video game hall of fame then. Yes, yes. Okay, so this is where we take an in-depth look at a game of high quality or historical importance and induct it into our pantheon of games. We feel deserve special recognition. I took to you this episode was first released in 1996 for the Game Boy. Developed by Game Freak and published by Nintendo, it's Pokemon Red and Green, later released in the West in 1999 as Pokemon Red and Blue. Gee. So go on, lads. Right. We, we've established on this, pod, on this pod that I know nothing about Pokemon, but I know it brings joy to millions of people. So tell me why, what makes it so great? When this when this first arrived back in, well, being 1999 for you guys, yes. Yeah. What made it so great for you? Yeah. What was it about that grabbed you? Well, bef- well, before the games for me, it was the cards um, ah, that started everything wow. off. Um, because, as well, as everyone knows now, we got the game a couple of years later than they were released in Japan. So Japan got red and green, and we got 
Blue and red. Or red and blue. Was there any reason for the, the one colour change? Well, um, the thought behind it was is that if one of your friends would have blue, you would have the opposite colour, for example, red, and then you could trade Pokemon. So there was only certain Pokemon you could get on a certain game. So it kind of brought the art of like trading and um, like catching Pokemon with your friends and battling and all that kind of stuff. What I meant though is why is it called red and green? Oh, I, I don't least, know. And then just I don't think there's blue. Why did they just why did just keep it as red and green? Well, I the think, West couldn't understand green. Well, I think um, in terms of the Western audience, though this is what I've read anyway, blue and red are kind of um, more combative against each other. Yeah, this is not. Yeah, mm. um, but in in Japan, there's less of that, and the more they go with the flow a bit more. So they've got <clears throat> they've got red and green, which is not very combative. So okay, well, red dominates green. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I started with the cards, and then I didn't play a Pokemon until probably the year two thousand, and. I'll be honest, when I started playing it, at that point I was... How old would I have been? I probably would have been eight when I stopped playing it. And um, mm. I didn't read any of the dialogue. Um, so there was a one point in the game where I needed to take something back to Professor Oak. And I didn't know what to do, so I was like stuck in the first bit of the game. And then somehow I went back and I managed to get what I needed to back to Professor Oak so that I could continue the journey. But yeah, um, that's that was what got me stuck. Um, but yeah, so just uh, just a bit of a premise about the the start of the game itself. So Professor Oak comes to you and says, uh, "Welcome to the world of Pokemon." Um, basically, there's loads of different uh, loads of these different animals to collect, and it gives you like a little premise of the world. And um, then he asks who you are because um, he's forgotten your name. He also forgets his um, nephew's name as well, so it's not just you he doesn't like. Grandson. Um, grand- oh, yeah, his grandson. Yeah, he forgets his grandson's name. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you put your name in. So at the start, you've got, like, your attachment. It's like you, you are the trainer. And then I don't know about you, Matt, but I called my uh, my first rival Bumhead because, <laughs> because I thought I'd been all clever. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. My grandson Bumhead, and I'm just there, like rolling over in laughter, like hey, he called him Bumhead. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like the most Nathan thing I've ever. Heard. I'm not the only one. I'm sure loads of you out there did that as well. Don't lie to me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so you you set yourself up a little character, and you've just um, and then you go and see Professor Oak to pick your Pokemon. So you got a choice of three Pokemon to start with. So you got Bulbasaur, a grass type. You got, um, oh, blooming neck, I forget now, um, Charmander, the fire type, and you got Squirtle, a water type. And now these three types, like, kind of um, offset each other. So water um, is strong against fire, fire is strong against grass. And you'll find that as you go through the uh, game that certain... This is very- rock paper scissors like yeah yeah that's right in terms of the the battles and the the typings yeah so as you go through the game uh, the typings expand and there's a few more things to try and remember um and you your pokemon has like a leveling system so when you pick your first pokemon it sets it starts at level five um but it can go up to level 100 
and that's their level cap. But between um, from level five to level 100, they actually evolve. So at certain stages, so I think it's level, I always forget this level 16 or 18, it evolves into like a middle stage. And then at level th- um, 34 or 36, it evolves into its full stage. So there's like evolutions as well. Um, um, but yeah, basically your your job as the Pokemon trainer is to go out, uh, try and collect all 150 Pokemon and get these gym badges and beat the Pokemon League. So these these gym badges are f- effectively like stages within the game. So they're like bosses in effect. So um, you've got to collect eight of these badges. Not badgers in, as in like little creatures, but badger. Badger, badger, badger. Badger, Mushroom, uh. mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, once you get these eight badgers, then you can... <laughs> then you can go and challenge the Pokemon League and try and become the champion. So that's that's kind of what you got to do. So there's two two like kind of sides to the game. You've got to one, collect the badges and beat the Pokemon League. And the the other side of it is you've got to catch them all. Get catch all 150 yeah. Pokemon. So yeah. That's kind of like the, the premise to the game itself. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to that, Matt? Um well to to kind of come back to mark's question um i think i got into pokemon when the show started because i think we got i think we got the show shown over here before the games i think um it's hard to recall kind of back in well 21 years uh (laughs) but i remember i'm pretty sure i remember kind of seeing the show really excited for it and then Mm -hmm. um my parents got me a Game Boy Color and both red and blue for, no, I think I remember this correctly. I think it was actually for, for Christmas in 99. Um, so I ended up getting both games um, and just absolutely just uh, putting so many hours into both of them. Um, I think my favorite was blue. Mm. Um, I'm not sure why, because uh, in the... So for both games, how how they worked is both games had their own color tone as well for uh, well for everything the world for the characters of the Pokemon. So obviously if you're playing Pokemon Blue, everything was in a blue tinted color like all the shades and stuff, and then Pokemon Red everything was in a red color. I think Blue just looked more appealing to me for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I think I remember my first star that i picked was i think oh for charmander i think it was my Did first you? star yeah and i immediately grabbed it coming to the first gym <laughs> oh yeah definitely uh, yeah yeah because like the first the well the first gym you come across in poo was rock type and rock was particularly strong against fire types so i i think at that time i think i just had like charmander metapod ratata and I think I had one of the Nidorans. I can't remember if it was male or oh, female. Yeah. I think it might be female. Yeah, I think but I got them, absolutely wiped, wiped out by Brock. So I was like, right, I'm yeah. going to have to go back and find some sort of grass time for this one. Yeah. I think um, I, my first starter was... Um, oh, what was it? Squirrel? No. Bulbasaur? Yes, that's the one. My first 
but Bulbasaur. So I got past the first couple of gyms fairly easily because grass is good against rock and water. So I didn't have too much trouble early on, apart from not reading the dialogue at all and um, getting stuck on the very first little bit of the game. Because at the very start, someone like blocks you off until you can get that go back to Professor Oak to get your Pokedex. Um, yeah, and then they yeah. shift and then you can get to, um, was it Viridian Forest? Yes, yeah. Because yeah. the first sea you come across is Viridian Sea, mm. which is um, which is quite cleverly um, designed as the actual eighth gym badge. But um, in story terms, they were like, oh, the gym leader's gone, we don't know where he is. And yeah. So I always got annoyed by the... I don't know why. I got annoyed by the old man that you run into in that sea that teaches you how to catch Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I'm... I don't know if you can catch Pokemon before he, um, before you speak to him or not. I, I don't think so, because I think he gives you some Pokemon Pokeballs and then you can start catching after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think it gives you I think it's from like five, so you yeah. can fill out your team straight away. But, yeah. Good, good, good times the little early stage at that point so was there any bit that you found hard just when you were going through the game or did you find like going through brock's dream brock's gym the worst like near the beginning because of your typing choice um he he was saying it wasn't the hardest i mean that was just a typing thing i think once Mm. i leveled up stuff um it became kind of easy at that point so i think i ended up getting it was oddish as my, like my first grass type, who kind of eventually helped me beat Onyx. Uh, hardest part of the game? Hmm. Probably there was a there's a puzzle that you have to work out in like one of Team Rocket's hideouts. Actually, there's probably there's probably two that's kind of hard. So there's one where you've got I can't remember where it is. I think it's underneath. Is it in the game corner? Wave. I think so, because there's a point where you have to do this like button challenge where you have to press them in like a certain order to unlock something. But I could just, I just never somehow work out the order um, for ages. And then there's one in um, Sylph Tower, the whole um, conveyor belt puzzle. That was a nightmare. Um, being a child, like just trying to work <laughs> out which conveyor belt you need to go on. It takes you where you need to go and not back to the beginning again. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely infuriating. And then, is it the same one as well that's got the tele- teleporters as well? That yeah. That was also quite infuriating. <laughs> it's just puzzles. Child me just didn't like puzzles. <laughs> yeah. Just all about the battling. That's that's what we wanted. That's all right. Battling and the catching. Um, mm. did, did you ever complete the Pokedex? I don't think I did. I don't think I ever did, because um, like having red and blue was fine, but I don't think I had a trade link at that point. Mm. Um, so I can never, I completed it to the point that I got everything other than what the other games had, but I never had the whole Pokédex. Um, although I don't think it meant that much at that point. I don't know what you got. I think you get like a certificate thing from Professor Oak to say congratulations and that's it. Mm. You don't get much at all. Well done, you've completed the game. Did you, um, (laughs) when you were going through the game at this stage, did you ever try and find Mew? Because there was loads of stuff that came out about how you could get Mew, like cutting the car car tires in... um... (laughs) 
Uh, near the SSN and stuff. Like, and like Mew was hiding under that yeah. car if he cut the tyres and stuff. But I think that was a little bit too... Um, this was a bit later on in my... I, no, I don't think I knew about Mew until Gold and Silver. Because um, I, think, I think it's Gold and Silver where there was a rumour going about about being able to get to the Orange Islands mm. um, from Vermilion Sea, because that's where you could get the SSN, I think, from. But there was some, some silly requirement about um, some sort of van or truck that you had to hide in or something. And then when the SSN had gone or something, you could do some sort of bun press to get past the sailor because every time you tried to go past the sailor he'd tell you to go back because there's nothing there and then apparently you could like jump over him or something and then you could use surf um if you go straight downwards you'd end up in like the orange islands and stuff it was like you know as a kid you you you'd think that's all real and stuff and you want to try and do it um, oh yeah definitely but I mean, I love doing the missing the missing number thing because that that was actually real. Missing no, you get yeah. missing no, and I did it once, um, and I managed to catch him and, and save him, and somehow didn't corrupt my game. <laughs> oh, lucky you! Um, so I got I got to use this mis- missing no that could like know all the uh, moves and stuff, which was hilarious. Mm. No, was was there any, was there any parts of the game that you found particularly difficult? Um, when I first got to the Elite Four, and when I was first playing it, I was very under-leveled, um, so I had to grind a bit before I could beat them. But bar that, um, it wasn't overly difficult, I don't think. Not that oh, I yeah. remember anyway. The, yeah. I, I, I think I, it was perfect for like the age that we were at at that time, in terms of its difficulty. There were enough there for, to make it challenging, but not enough so that we'd drop off. Um, that and it was probably one of the only games that I did have. So I didn't have much choice but to try and try and get through it. Um, yeah, yeah. I was um, I was very thankful for getting the XP share towards the end, um, which was helpful. Just being able to fill out the pocket deck, so being able to have. So I think it was in red and blue. It was the. It wasn't all Pokemon that got an XP share. I think it was no, just you, the, you gave the, the XP one. share to one Pokemon. Yeah, whoever was holding if, it, that was. Yeah. It. Which I was thankful for, um, but yeah, no, I think I think the whole appeal about the game was just catching all the monsters and being able to um, use different types and like work out which ones worked, which one didn't. Um, yeah, you know, which one was your favourite one? Because um, like I think, I think by the end of it, I think I had a team of Lapras, Charizard, Rhydon. Um, was it right on? No, it might have been um, Nidor King. Mm. Uh, did I have Alakazam? No, I wouldn't have had Alakazam at that point because I couldn't yeah, trade. Yeah, couldn't trade, yeah. Yeah, so there were four Pokemon that you needed to trade to um, to get them to evolve. Um, so there was um, Alakazam, mm. Machamp, Golem, and... Gengar. Gengar, yeah, that was it. Mm. So... Yeah, so you needed you needed friends, or you needed to be rich. So you had two Game Boys, <laughs> both the games, and a link cable. Well, I was almost rich. I just didn't have the other Game Boy or link cable. Yeah, <laughs> I had everything else. Now, this um, games were just just 
wonderful at the time, I think. They came out at like, the right time to become as popular as well, what they have done now, I suppose. Mm. And, I mean, I don't know if I could I don't know if I could go back and play them now. I think it would be something like what Let's Go did, which was bring them to modern Current. standards. Yeah. yeah. Um be able to have like the XPO was is helpful. Well actually no, it don't have XPO, does it? It's just where you catch the XP was shared out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, anyway. it just automatically does it. Yeah. Um funnily enough, um a little bit different because this is like the third game that came out, but I recently played Pokemon Yellow, and it oh, holds yeah. up surprisingly well. Um, I oh, mean, really? I know Pokemon Yellow's got like a slight graphical bump, um, mm. but it's I still enjoy it. It's I think well, everything's uh, in yellow, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got um, well, I'm about 22 hours in so far. Mm. Um, I think I'm on like my fifth gym badge, so ticking along nicely. So yeah, it's good. Okay. It seems strange why why in the third game they still removed certain other Pokemon. So you still need like red and blue to complete that. It's like yeah, why? Because yeah, you as you went through, you did get all the starters. So you start off with Pikachu, and it was the first time I think that a Pokemon could follow you around, which was cool. Um, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. And um, as you go through the game, you can get um, all the starters from the original three games so you can get mm, yeah I think was it um I think you get I think you run into I want to see you want to run into Bulbasaur first see if that was Squirrel I think Squirrel you get in um Cerulean City yeah because you've got you get past all them trainers don't you and then you get them at the top of that um like grass yeah. bit yeah you get them all you get them all fairly close together what? Well, you know, it's um. So they try and do it based on what was in the in the show and the anime, because I think Squirrel is quite mischievous. Um, mm. with Officer. Because well, he's Squirrel to... Squad. I says the <laughs> Squirrel Squad. I think Charmander. I think you just find sounds like hip hop band. Hip hop band <laughs> yeah. Squirrel Squad. Uh, I think Charmander you find from a trainer. I think at some point. I forgot how you do a bubble saw. But they, like the game was quite related to what was in the show as well. Mm. I think Oh yeah, you got Jesse and James in yellow as well. Where yes, as in, Jesse um, and James. the original games you yeah. only got like the grunts. Mm. So No, that was that was fun seeing Jesse and James. And Meowth, of course. Don't don't oh, forget yeah. about him. Talking Meowth. <laughs> I, I like I liked the I liked the little improvements that Yellow brought in. Um, deadly learn from red and blue because I think yellow as well. Um, there was some there was some stuff that it just made just a little bit more accessible. I think I want to say I think that's when they introduced the XPO. I could be wrong. That might be in gold and silver actually. I'm not too sure. I think this, so, yeah. this is what happens when you try and go off memory, and not actually go back and research the old games. <laughs> My bad. So what was really the hook about the first game? What was it that kept you interested in? Was it just the collecting? I, I think it was... For me. I think it was everything that came with it, though. There was, like... I think it was the Pokemon card trading game. You were get, buying packs and stuff. I think it was you were watching the anime and you were playing the games. I think it all had a part in building the cult of Pokemon. It was taking over the world. 
Yeah. It's like, it's like when I was back at school, it's just like I was one of the few people who wasn't, who didn't take any interest in it, and everyone else mm. was trading these mm. cards. It's like, what? What was. I just didn't have uh, any of it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just. Um, I think a lot was going for it, because like when it came out, everything came out for it. So, like, like I think, like never said, you had the trading card game, um, which was going big. Uh, I remember the sticker books. I remember going to school and trading stickers. Oh yeah, I can remember that. Because uh, yeah. we wanted to complete our, our sticker books. Do you remember that other variant of card that they had that you could buy, and it like told you a bit about the Pokemon? So they weren't like yeah, proper Pokemon was, uh, cards. They were like no, they were ones based off the off the show because they had like mm. they had ex- they had little ones that had like um, screenshots of like what were in the show and stuff. So explain yeah. what happened in the show as well. Um, I don't know. There, there was something. I don't think we'd had anything like it when it came. Yeah, out. I think being able to say that, like, how the story went of like you know, one once kids got to an age of ten, they got you know they officially become become like Pokemon trainers, and and that's when they got to go out of the world. It was like a very coming of age kind of story. Like you could be a Pokemon trainer when you're ten, you know. You could go out in the world and get run over by buses and <laughs> and cards and like I always I always tried to I always had like a a nice imagination of like what would Pokemon be like in real life? Um, going out as like a ten year old on your own, <laughs> become independent, somehow live in the world wilderness and tent up and stuff. <laughs> that must be strange, just having kids wandering around, just having Pokemon battle in the middle of city centre or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I was trying to get on bus that way home from work. And you've got a raticate against a kingler or something. <laughs> See, like uh, like a Taurus against like Mewtwo or something. Just like absolutely wipes out them all. <laughs> that, that's just reminding me when I first faced Mewtwo when I first played the game, I ended up killing him. I didn't. I, did, I didn't catch him, and I ended up using my Master Ball as something really rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> like a oh, horsey or something. So forgive me, if you kill him, what does that change any major aspects of the game? What, um, get rid of Mewtwo. Yeah. No. Um, does, that you can never, does that mean you can never catch them all? Yeah. Yeah. Never. Never. I think so. Yeah. I think in the early games, it was you either caught it or you didn't, and that was yeah. it. Um, it. So I think Mewtwo that's what happens to birds for me. Mm. Then I kill one of birds. It's like, oh no, I've got to restart. Yeah, so there's certain Pokemon. There's um, four Pokemon that you can only battle once. So there's the three legendary birds: uh, Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. And you'll find them as you go through the world. There is a little bit of puzzle towards it because uh, Articuno's like on this ice island that you've got to try and traverse to get to him. Um, mm. Zapdos is in a power plant, and there's like a little yeah. puzzle to get to Zapdos. I think Moltres was in the um, on oh, what's it called? That it's not Victory Road, is it? It's where you it's that um, cave that you got to get through before you get to Pokemon League, and uh, that's where Moltres. No, is. no, it's, it's Victory Road. Yeah. Um, so there's certain Pokemon that you can only face once, and if you get rid of, if you like beat them, they'll like fly away, and you'll never be able to catch them again. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting. Rid, well, I ended up getting rid of the best one, which was Mewtwo. He's, Mewtwo was like a post-game Pokemon. So once you've beaten the Elite Four and you've done that side of the game, 
then really can traverse the world um, by like surfing to like swim around and get all the water types. You can fly around as well. It just makes the game much easier to try and go back and catch everything that you need. And there's this certain cave that you get access to uh, after you've done the Elite Four. And then you can go and find Mewtwo in there and face him. But he is like level 70, which is a pretty decent level. And the most powerful one. Yeah, he's like end game guy. He's really high level. Um, yeah. I think, I think is he in the cave that's next to Cerulean City? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because like there's a stream you have to go around, um, like the back of it, in effect. Mm. Yeah, because I think um, there's a person that stands there and blocks you. Yeah, it pretty much just says you're not ready for what's inside this cave or something. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that, because that's the... Well, it ends up, it's, uh, it's a, I think, like a three-tier cave, because you can find some of, like, the rarest Pokemon there as well, like um, Chansey and... I want to say, I, I could be wrong, because I might remember this from Let's Go, but I think um, there's two opportunities to catch Snorlax, because Snorlax is blocking certain routes as well. Yeah, that's right. So when you're doing um, your third gym to the to the right inside of the third gym city, then there's one block in it there, and there's one where the fourth gym leader is to the left before yeah. you go down that bike path. Um, so, yeah, there's two opportunities for Snorlax. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, there's just... Um, oh, go on, sorry. Mark. I just say, so what's your favourite Pokemon of the original... I'm going to eliminate OG not al- you're not allowed to have Pikachu right not to have Pikachu <laughs> Ditto 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 oh. can transform into whatever Pokemon oh, you want oh, I thought you were just saying you just the word Ditto Pikachu for that <laughs> <laughs> so what? Ditto um, right I'm yeah. going to look up Ditto Ditto's so like a little see. blob <laughs> it's like a pink blob it's actually a failed um, okay, so, Mew clone so what's so good about Ditto. I am looking at Ditto now. So Ditto can is only got one move called Transform, but it'll transform into mm. the Pokemon that it's fine against. Height is thirty point five centimeters tall, four kilograms in weight. His weakness is fighting. What? <laughs> it's not very good, is it? Sure. Well, fighting is a type. Well, fighting is so, a type. Yeah, so it's just a typing. <laughs> oh, uh, ability Limber. Is that because he's a blob? Which is very limber. Yep. <laughs> Type normal. Surprised it's I not psychic, actually. Mm. Considering what it is. So you like him because he's a blob? Let's... Well, I like, I like him because he can transform, transform into any Pokemon or anything, actually. Ah. Yeah, okay. he can transform into humans. Found that out in Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Scary. Oh, God, this is horrible. Ditto is a unique Pokemon because it can breed with any Pokemon in a daycare centre. Regardless of the yeah, no, there's that true as well. That's there was very handy in uh, egg breed. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so what's yours then, Matthew? I think I've always liked Cipher. I think Ooh, it's design wise, elaborate looking one. Mm. Cipher, one point five meters high, fifty six kilograms. Weakness: ice, flying, fire, electric, and rock. That's it is a bit weak. Long weaknesses. I'm going to design wise. <laughs> he it's looks cool, cool right? Yeah, he does. Uh, type bug flying ability swarm and technician. No idea. Those were introduced after Red and Blue. <laughs> You're probably looking at Sword and Shield time. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's like a green wasp kind of thing with sword kind of arms things. Oh, yeah. it's cipher. It's on there. 
That's why it's called Scyther. What's your favourite yeah, Muppet? Sense. Pikachu. Uh, Detective Pikachu. That's Detective my favourite. Pikachu is your favourite. My favourite is Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, my favourite Pokemon is oh. Ryan Reynolds. Well, what's your worst Pokemon for like? Ditto. Favorite? <laughs> oh, it's a love-hate relationship, is it? It's a relationship. Magikarp, for me, actually, because he's useless. He no, uses... gets good once you get to level 20. Though. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to get to that bit. So Ma- Magikarp is the most useless, flappy piece of crap ever. So he uses a move called Splash that doesn't even do anything. So is this a fish? Yes. Yes. Right. So now, okay. a red fish with looks sort of like a, uh, sort of like a moustache. Yeah, it's kind of like whiskers. He's based on a carp or a no. catfish. Really? (laughs) And he's magic. Magic up. What's wrong with him? I quite like him. Just doesn't do anything. Uh, So in in the game, the he only has oh well not he but it could be she. Did I assume the agenda? Um. So only has one move that's called splash, but it doesn't actually do any damage. It just it says it just flails about and doesn't do anything. So. It can be a task if you've... Say if you got, like, a Magikarp at level 10 and it evolves level 20. You'd have to... You'd have to put it first in your team and every battle you come across, you'd have to switch it out, like, immediately. So the next Pokemon that comes out could end up getting attacked and potentially die, depending on circumstances. So it's a bit difficult to level up, um, which is probably better why you try and catch, like, more higher level Magikarp, because then once you... Say you go on at level 20 and just get out one level, then it evolves. It's evolution's really cool, if you want to yeah. view it. It's called Gyarados. It's a, lot, it's a powerful one. So it's like a blue dragon kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a blue dragon fish. <laughs> There's actually some mythology around it, because um, you touched on this earlier, Matt, where it goes into the waterfall and then it evolves. So. Yeah, for Pokemon Snap, I think that's that's what uh, what they were playing on on the mythology of it. Is it? Is, well, you probably know the mythology, but yeah, basically it's um, the Japanese mythology of um, the fish going into the what going upwards in the waterfall, mm. and then once it gets to a certain point, it transforms into a dragon. Oh really? Oh, that's a cool little play. Oh, where's Pokemon? Probably, probably for me for game terms, because the only way you can get one is by having to spend about so many hours in the game corner to get so many coins for it. I'll probably say Porygon. Yeah. Like the only way to to get one in the game is to win a bloody gambling. Gambling for children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no wonder Team Rocket were running that thing. I don't know how to describe this thing. I'm looking at. It's a. Uh, like a teal and red floating like bird. Looks like it's made of glass or something. It's like um, it's like a origami bird. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I think in in actual Pokemon lore, it it was it's actually like a, a man-made um Pokemon, I think, electronically or something. Mm. I think so. Yeah, there was some controversy about Porygon because when it first appeared in the anime. There was like loads of flashing and stuff behind it, and it caused a lot of people seizures. 
So they had to make yeah. adaptations. Absolutely. Um, said, uh, this episode caused more than 600 children in Japan to be transferred to hospitals by ambulance because of seizure-like symptoms mm. reported due to a flashing strobe effect present at several points in the episode and was therefore banned and never aired again anywhere in the world. Yeah, we never got it. We never got that episode of her. So there's, there's, like a, there's a weird point where like, Ash is suddenly somewhere else, and you're like, how did he get where? <laughs> oh, whatever, I'm a 10-year-old kid, I don't care about the plot. Apparently <laughs> <don't know. laughs> Yeah. I don't think Porygon's ever really been used that much in the shows since. <laughs> no. I mean, it's evolved a couple of times since, but bar that, no. Yeah, it's, it's evolution's kind of cool. I do like evolutions. They're better. But... Guess what? It's evolutions called Mark. The first one, Porygon Two. <laughs> Good guess, Mark. <laughs> Could you yeah, guess? I, it's this. I, <laughs> I know what it went on to be after that. Porygon oh. said. Oh, the knowledge. I'm not, I'm not looking at this at all. No, it's all from heart. No, it's all from memory. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I think uh, I think for me that's that's all I've got to say on the games and. Just the the franchise as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say that, like, I mean, because of these games, um, this, I mean, Pokemon's just gone to be the the biggest thing in the world, I think, gaming wise. And like, outside of Mario and um, Minecraft, I think you don't get anything bigger than Pokemon, especially culture wise. I mean, it's just everywhere. It's got mass appeal um, for everyone. Um, it's even got. A, cynical 30 plus to somewhat enjoy a film about it i'll mention no names <laughs> one thing i will give credit to um pokemon about is that it seems to open to everyone age group wise which kind of mm. yeah yeah just when i look at on the face of it i think oh this is a little maybe this is a kid's thing a bit childish it's, stuff, yeah. it's become such a broad appeal to everyone yeah right. I, I think, I think... Po- obviously pokemon goes so obviously helped that hasn't it well, yeah, I was going to get on to that. Like, when, when Pokemon Go launched, I think uh, everyone, their like, grandparents were getting involved with Pokemon Go. Just because it's just got that massive appeal of... I think it it, it satisfied that childish um, dream of being able to catch Pokemon in real life by actually going out and sort of yeah. being able to do that. Yeah. In a way. Um, like, I remember when it first came out, the, like... Um, so, like, in the game, there's, like, what we call gyms that uh, around certain locations and that. And there was one outside our workplace. Um, and I remember when it started, like, uh, me, and, me and Nathan and a couple of us would go over there and we'd find random people there as well, like, around trying to get the gym, <laughs> get it for the team, which is kind of cool. Um, and then, we like, we'd do it at the uh, a pub called Broadfield, Um we would find like people flying over that gym as well in real time. <laughs> it's, it's such a massive appeal, I think. So about that, if would you all be able to catch the same thing there, then? or would you have, or is it like a fight, like the first one to catch it? Oh no! Um, when something spawns, it spawns for everybody. Yeah. So there's no, um, there's no like. I'm just thinking of mobs yeah. running there, trying mobs to stealing to Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. You're the real team, Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be mental. But it's stuff like gyms. You could like fight. You could fight people that were they were keeping the gym for their team, and then you'd keep it. You put your Pokemon in, unless other people 
fought your gym before you could get your Pokemon in. There was a real battle for, for like gyms back in those days. Now yeah, because you had battle. to um, you had to rebattle it and level it up to get your Pokemon in. Um, but now it's changed so that you can have a maximum of six people in at a time. Um, so they've changed the way that gyms work slightly, but still fun because you've got yeah, to like, um, like race to get people in. So, for example, if me and Lisa are out driving, uh, uh, because I'm not driving, then I can like get my Pokemon in. And sometimes I sneakily put myself in and not her if there's like one place left. I hope she doesn't listen uh, to this. <laughs> she's right behind you. <laughs> no, it's I, I love Pokemon Go. It's really fun. Um, I did the um, we did the Kanto event recently, a part of, as part of all this 25th year anniversary, um, twelve twenty fifth anniversary Pokemon stuff, and that was fun. So. Twenty five whole years of the critters. Mm. And it's still not stopping. Nope, still going as strong as it is. So there you have it, Pokemon Red and Green, or Red and Blue, into the video game whole fight. If you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release bi-weekly on Tuesdays. You can visit our website at junkandover.com, where we post blogs and the Hall of Fame. Also feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joker Dolphin on Facebook, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joker Dolphin. Also on YouTube, where we post this very podcast. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Catch them all. Fantasy is not really something I'm particularly interested in, but I've got no excuse to at least try it, I guess. Yep, yeah, it's free. <laughs> give it give it the hour mark, see what you think. Mm. Stream it. <laughs> oh yeah, you could stream it, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I want to see your reactions. <laughs> I think Mark will find his waifu and fall in love with <laughs> 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 okay. he's gonna fall He's going to fall in love with Tifa and Aries. And Jesse, like, these are just words now. All of them. These are just words. All the waifus. <laughs>